0: Download the Viator app now and use code VIATOR10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Out of structure. Let's do it. Can we have time to run Walsh. If it's first and 10 Walsh
2: any distance, down the distance. I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs Kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs Kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to this week's edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Sagner here with Ryan Cobb Jr. as always. Celebrating a Chiefs victory, which seems like for the first time in months, twenty-five to seventeen over the Cincinnati Bengals, clinching the AFC West, clinching the number three seed in the AFC playoffs. Pretty good outcome overall, Ron. How do you how are you feeling about it?
1: You know, I I, I did see this this coming. Uh, you know, kind of an inspired effort, right? You know, I, I do think it was kind of nice to have uh, the Bengals maybe juice this game up a little bit after the Chiefs that Christmas Day disaster. They needed some reason to, to maybe get a little extra juice, obviously. And Jamar Chase's comments before the game, I think, did that. Stags, don't you think? Don't you think there was a little more juice uh, from both sides of the ball? It was chippy.
2: I mean, they, they definitely were, were. Oh yeah. Uh, that was fun. Not a lot of love lost, as as they would say, right? Um, and and, then, and a lot of comments. I mean, there was a lot of scruffs during during the game, but also some comments after the game. Uh, I mean, this was this was on their mind.
1: Yeah, no, and Chris Jones kind of I wrote it up for the site, but he said, you know, we don't comment, we just play, which, you know, hey, it's like, you know, we've we've said stuff in the media chief, uh, Chiefs, but I'll 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 let you I'll <laughs> let you say it, Chris. But you know, he kind of did mention that, you know, the they do this every year. He said that exact thing. He, he said we, he they do this every year in the playoffs and the regular season. That's what they do. And Jamar Chase even is is, you know, kind of open about being an instigator. He kind of likes it, but no, it was it was kind of nice. I think they needed that, you know, something a little to get a little pep in their step or get a little, uh, you know, you know, a little more juice flying to the ball on defense. You know, uh, it was kind of one of those games where where we needed to see it secure the win. And now they got week 18, where you know we're, we've yet to kind of hear from the team how they want to handle it, Stags. But there's no reason for them to be playing like you mentioned. They're clinching to the three seed, so they're kind of set uh, where they're set.
2: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they handle that because. Obviously, they didn't get the number one seed. They didn't get the bye week. There's only one of those nowadays. So it's a it's a situation where you're either fighting for your playoff live or you're in a situation where the Chiefs are and then they're locked into their three seed. So they won't be playing for anything team-wise in, in week 18 against the Chargers. They are locked into the three seed. We know that they'll have one home game arrowhead and then you know it's all bets off after that depending on how the the rest of the playoff uh group falls so they don't have anything to play for as a team but so so let's talk about philosophically let's take the individual stuff out of it let's say as a team would you rather see your team the way this season has gone continue to get tuned up For the playoffs continue to find that rhythm or would you rather them get rest try to get their heads right treat it like a bye week
1: oh i'm 100 on the bye week i think it's this is a blessing uh and you know for the chiefs that they get to kind of be locked into a a seat and get the bye week that i think this team kind of needs they kind of got you know they didn't get the latest bye week this year and i mean since since their actual bye week it's been disastrous i mean that's really when it kind of turned turned for the worst for the chiefs so you know, maybe that's not a good argument. You know, a good point for my argument, but I think this team could use uh, a rest. And uh, you know, I think a few players may not want to want to hear that. And maybe we want to get out there, but I think the team as a whole could really use the complete week off and and get ready for the wild card.
2: Yeah, in in general, I would agree with that. I think you know, obviously, you don't want anything to happen to Mahomes. Uh, you'd like to see him get in a good headspace. You'd like to see you know the the offensive line get a little healthier again. They've they've been banged up here and there. Um, so I, I think there's an argument to be made for, for a, lot of, a lot of rest on, on this team. But, yeah, there's some individual things to play for. And a little hat tip to uh, uh, Let's Chat Chiefs on Twitter. There's three guys out there trying to get to 1,000 yards on the season. And at least two of the three would be very historic uh, for, for this team. Do the Chiefs get give some of these guys a chance to hit those personal milestones? Uh, number one and the biggest one of all of them is Travis Kelsey. He's 16 yards short of his eighth straight thousand-yard season as a tight end, yeah. and no other tight end has more than two in their career, if I remember Brad correctly. Greg Olson got three. Three, okay. So, the only other court – yeah, he's the only other one, so yeah. So, yeah, he's uh, – that's a hall of fame number and to be sixteen yards away that is one that's one play can you
1: yeah can you put one over the
2: first drive right try to hit him on on some something designed get him to a thousand and then get him get him on the bench what what do you think about kelsey
1: no honestly yeah I, I think really what they could do is just and they and they've done this in like preseason games when they only have one drive i've seen them do it. This one it's 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 one of Kelsey's favorite plays, but they don't run it a ton because, you know, it it can't be run a ton. Fakes the over pivots back across the grain of the defense. Mahomes is rolling one way and only so many quarterbacks can even throw that pass. Right. Because it's like it's kind of like across the body all the way across the field. I think you see something like that just to get him to 16 yards because it really is just a chunk play. And and there's a a, a few different ways to get Kelsey into space. They just got to scheme it up. And I could see them doing it uh, like right off the bat.
2: Well, if it happens exactly like that, I, I'll i buy you a beer, Ron. I'll, That'd be for, sick. For the, for the <laughs> prediction there. That's That, that would be incredible. Uh, Rasheed Rice, really one of the stories of the season at this point is, obviously everybody's talking about how bad the wide, wide receivers have been. Now all of a sudden, you've got one guy that's emerged from that room, and it's a rookie. Rookies never emerged from the wide receiver room under Andy Reid. He's already the most successful rookie wide receiver in the history of Andy Reid's Head coaching experience, but he's 62 yards away from a thousand yard season. He's also uh not that far away from passing up Travis Kelsey and leading this entire team and receiving, right. which is, which was unthinkable prior to the to the season. So he's uh he's what 60 yards behind uh, by behind Kelsey. So in theory, if they sit Kelsey the whole game, if you get Rasheed Rice to a thousand. He probably leads this team in receiving and hits the thousand yard mark as a rookie. He should be right up there with the rookie of the year uh conversations on the offensive
1: side. It's tough. I mean, you know, obviously we have uh uh Texans quarterback CJ Shroud. I mean, he's been he's been good this year, but he got hurt. He did get hurt. Um and and there's some others uh off the top of my head um that I should no, and I'm not thinking of, but he's he's up there. He's definitely up there. Uh, he's definitely one of the best rookie receivers. And what I would say is he has a good chance to get this Stags because for him specifically, I think he's someone that you may want to keep in a rhythm, even if it's without Mahomes. Just keep him playing, get him his usual snap count. He's a rookie. It's not like he's you know the the there is a rookie wall that we all like to maybe consider, but he, it's not like he's been playing full time like he is now throughout the yeah. season. He's getting into a rhythm now, so he's maybe someone that I would be fine with letting him play even with the subs, and maybe getting to that 1,000 yards. That would be a a cool mark for him.
2: Yeah, of of the three that we're going to talk about, he's probably the most likely and the most logical to to play a significant amount of this Week 18 game. The one that maybe is least likely is the one that's the most banged up is Isaiah Pacheco had in-season shoulder surgery to clean himself up Plays like just an absolute maniac, was it was just a stud this last week. Uh, big runs, angry runs, you know, seven catches, 130 yards rushing. You know, it was really a, a big game for Isaiah Pacheco this week. Put it all in the line to help the Chiefs clinch the AFC West. He's 65 yards away from 1,000 yards rushing. The Chiefs haven't had a lot of 1,000-yard rushers over the last couple of years. Uh, this would be a, another nice mark to see them hit, uh, but do you risk Pacheco's health at this point? With uh, you know maybe not the most depth behind him anymore.
1: Yeah, this is the one that I think Pacheco could definitely use use just another little bye week. I know he actually missed obviously you know a, a recent game or recent games anyway. So it's not like he's been playing you know so many games, but. You know, I think he's someone like you mentioned with all the the in season stuff. Just just let him sit the bench. You know, the, he's had a th- he hasn't a thousand total yards, and sixty five isn't a guarantee. No matter how much you play, uh, so I, I would just 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 chill out, Pacheco. We'll get you your your playoff runs because I mean we're about to get into it. But uh, I think he's going to be plenty featured and get plenty of uh plenty of yards in the playoffs when it matters more.
2: He absolutely should be. I mean, he's really a centerpiece of this offense at this point. Uh, I think he might even sit Clyde in this in this eight week eighteen game as well, and really focus on getting some of that that further down the line depth available. Yeah, and and in like practice, you got Ingram, you got P Ryan, you got Prince. There's there's a handful of potential options there that have not seen the field much. So why not block up some stuff for those guys in weeks week eighteen and and see what they can do. Running back is a tough position to play uh all 17 games it's one of those that that rarely happens so uh, i wouldn't be sad to see a little Keontae ingram and, and and others in in week 18
1: yeah i know i thought we were maybe going to get a little bit of that this week uh but you know pacheco uh ended up playing clyde did not but yeah i, I think i'm with you it'd be nice to just see, let them only have the guys that really haven't played yet get some snaps and again, McKinnon is on IR, but he can come back for the divisional round uh, potentially if they get, make it that far. That's the first time he can he can come back. So,
2: in case you didn't hear it, I'm over here knocking on wood that there is a divisional round game for him to play in. Oh uh, yeah, yes, uh, Yeah, that, that's that's a big if, but but hey, uh, he's been a valuable postseason player in the past, so that that wouldn't hurt uh, either. So I had to do the winners and losers this week uh, as usual. Uh, was a little bit more fun than previous weeks yeah. Uh, because there were some really good individual performances across the board. We mentioned Rasheed Rice already. That 67-yard catch and run uh, you know, really showed some nuance in his ability to, to understand what the defense is giving him and taking that and, and getting upfield shows that he's, he can be a deep pass guy as well. He's not just a, a run-after-catch player and somebody that they can feature all over the field that's the kind of thing he needs to show to be considered a number one type receiver. And, and, you know, if I think he's, he's on that track right now. Um, you know, obviously would you love to have a superstar with him as your number two? Sure. But if, if, or she rises your number one and he's doing stuff like that, then, you know, you, you, have got a room, you've got a shot.
1: Yeah. The thing I liked about his 67-yard reception was it showed him and Mahomes being on the same page chemistry-wise because if you actually watch it a little closely, the reason why he kind of blows wide open and there's really no one near him once he gets past the corner is it looks like the Bengals' corners were playing cover two, which kind of means you want to sink underneath and kind of play underneath a a vertical route like that. But then you usually have a safety over the top of that deep half, kind of helping you. And if you watch, that safety bailed the opposite direction, definitely a miscommunication in the Bengals' secondary. But what R- Rice talked about after the game, what Mahomes talked about after the game is, you know, they had to kind of communicate on the fly, kind of, you know, not obviously verbally communicate, but just kind of had to, you know, work, you know, uh, change his route on the fly to make that work. And, you know, it was a nice catch and run. He didn't really have to break stride to catch it. You know, it was, it was over his shoulder. You know, Mahomes put it. You know, that's kind of good to see Mahomes put, you know, a confident throw to him. Rice catch it confidently. You know Those are the kind of throws. You know, when, when teams do make mistakes like that, they need to be able to take advantage. And I feel like receivers on this team have not done that this year. Rice did in that game.
2: Yeah, and they made it look easy, and, and that was that was nice for a change. It's been such a uh, a struggle in the passing game. Uh, and that that was a play that was like, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. And that, that was nice to see. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, again, 130 yards is a career high for him. Also had a career high with seven targets and seven catches. There's pros and cons to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the fact that he has seven targets, but I loved the the touchdown reception of his. That was a really well-designed play, very well executed. Uh, and again, nice to see him getting involved in the passing game as well.
1: Yeah, I want to break down the reds or the opening drive touchdown or, uh, a little later, but I will say on his rushing yards and just his two 35-yard runs, he had the nine-yard run to start the game too. The Chiefs offensive line definitely came out and played with more aggression uh but also the tight ends I want to shout out. Kelsey had a few really significant blocks to pop a few of those. Noah Gray had a good block down the field on on the first 35-yard run. Um it was definitely an, a you know some strong blocking efforts up front. But you see how it having Pacheco really just gives this run offense a, another level of, of uh you know kind of just pop, right in terms of yeah. Clyde, or maybe even one of the other running backs, maybe those turn into 18-yard runs, 20-yard runs. And it's like, okay, that's exciting. But 35 is, is you know, that's three first downs, you know, you just mm-hmm. made, right? And and Pacheco really does have that speed to kind of make the most of those. So that's why Pacheco is so important in the run game, being able to make those into 35-yard runs, not just 15, 20 yards.
2: Absolutely. And it's it is so energizing to see him run and, and the way that he oh, yeah. gets fired up and the way he, you know, pounds the turf, you uh, <laughs> Uh, running like he's mad at the grass. Uh, that is a
1: yeah. An, he gets he's, his head down and
2: that, yeah. Some people were saying it was cartoon-like the way he was running on, on that long that long play. What? But, but uh, I I loved every second of it. I also had to give a hat tip to the to the defensive uh, pass rush, uh, really oh, yeah. closing out the game. This is more of a a second half effort uh, more so than the first half. But Charles Mennehieu has been huge over the last few games and is and is really coming up big. He's got a sack in five straight games, credited with half a sack this week, also knocked down a pass. Um, he's been a, a big part of what they're doing uh, up front, uh, along with uh, George Karloftis, who now not only leads the team in sacks, he's now in double digits uh, for the first time in his career, his second season. I wasn't sure he'd ever be a double-digit sack guy, so having him sit at 10.5 already um, – beating Orlando Brown Jr., old friend, uh, yes. on, on one of those plays. Uh, he had a big game. It is really, you know, looking like the best version of himself uh, as well.
1: Yeah, no, it was a nice pass rush game down the stretch, like you mentioned, in terms of at first, it was kind of like, all right, you know, Browning's kind of being able to, to get out of the pocket, kind of get throws off or scramble. You know, they weren't getting home necessarily. But, yeah, as the game wore on, you saw that last drive. It was four sacks in a row, like pretty much. Uh Justin Reed had two. Um, which I your your next winners do the defensive backs, you know, a bunch of them. You know, I think all the defensive backs had a great game, obviously, teaming up to to shut down Jamar Chase. But no, the pass rush, I think, really just wore down that Bengals uh offensive line. And, and I knew I I, I should have put some money on it or something. I knew Carl was gonna get around Orlando at one point, just because he's been working yeah. that speed rush this year. He has that dip. And that's what we've always seen Orlando struggle with. It's what Trey Hendrickson, which unfortunately, you know, one of your, you know, we'll we'll talk about him on the other side. Uh, you know, he can do. He's done against Brown in the past. Karloftis gets it done against him. It was kind of cool to see uh, Karloftis kind of know what to do and 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 use the right move to to get a sack when it when it was when it mattered most.
2: Yeah, he wound up super wide, right, and he came flying around. Oh yeah, uh, I think that's a uh,
1: speed rush. Oh yeah, uh,
2: yeah, that that was cool to see. Uh, defensive backs, as you mentioned, just played really really physical ball. Uh, really impressive work out of out of a uh, Snead again shutting down or, or really limiting a team's number one receiver who has absolutely destroyed the Chiefs in previous years uh to see him you know to see him all but shut down Chase going you know face to face head to head you know blow for blow with him as uh, Chase was trying to start fights the whole game uh Snead's probably not innocent uh there either but those <laughs> Those guys got after it, and it wasn't just him. You know, really, I I thought there were some good plays by Joshua Williams uh, against uh, against Higgins and others. Uh, This defensive back room, you know, has got a lot of a lot of dogs and a lot of a lot of of good players, and and they're playing a really physical brand of football uh, that gives you some hope with the pass rush and the defensive backs playing the way they are.
1: Yeah, no, I mean Sneed. You know, I, I wrote about it last week, but because Trent McDuffie actually said it's like Darrell Revis. And, you know, that's kind of like the ultimate compliment for like a shutdown cornerback. And there's this famous graphic of how many receivers Revis shut down uh, 35 yards or less in that historic 2009 season. And like Sneed definitely does not have the same resume. But I mean, you do look at his his receiving resume this year of guys he's held to the same mark. And it's like, oh, dang, you know, Justin Jefferson, you know, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs. Jamar Chase did get over that 35-yard mark, but just barely. He had 41 yards, mm-hmm. and so it is just, you know, I think it's easy for, you know, I think you saw some Bengals fans just say, well, he gets doubled. He gets the safety help every time, so, you know, it's it obviously, you know, it, it's easier. You know, I think in past situations, like on third down and, like, the, the crucial moments, yes, obviously he gets that safety uh, over the top of a number-one receiver. It's kind of part of the, you know, it's, it's just the scheme. He's done it all year, right? Like, hey, we're deal. not going to let yeah. you get to your number-one target. We're going to trust McDuffie to man up the number-two guy. Um, without the safety help. But I think a lot of times in early down and, and neutral situations, I mean, it's just Sneed beating Chase up and just not letting him get into his route. You saw the one pass breakup where he kind of, you know, just patient, let him get into his route and just boom. It was a oh man, that was a great play. Oh, that I mean, was awesome. That was where he just kind of reached and just kind of plucked it out. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah. We yeah. I mean, talk about an
2: opportunity to make a play on the ball and, avoid getting a penalty, which has not always been the case. That was right. Yeah, it was
1: clean. Yeah, no, exactly.
2: And then finally, the other winner I had was Harrison Butker. Uh, They relied on him way too much this week, but he delivered. And it turned out to be the difference in the game scoring the last 18 points uh, of this contest uh, while the defense uh, clamped down on the Bengals. Uh, uh, We'll take it. Uh, On the loser side, you know, I feel like we're beating a dead horse uh, (laughs) talking about, uh, Mark wesvaldez uh once again, struggling, had one catch for three yards uh, on three targets, had two, two drops. I mean, it, one of them was a clear drop. The other one, the ball went through his hand on a deep pass. Uh, either way, you got to make at least one of those plays. That's what you're paid to do. It's been just a miserable, miserable season for MBS, uh, really with about half of the production that you'd expect or, or hope from him based on his career averages.
1: Yeah, especially cuz on that deep pass that yeah, like at first shot like, okay, it just was kind of outstretched like a little but like the cameras I mean the cameras don't lie to me. I mean it looked like it went right through his hands. And you know, it almost too like he was kind of pulling up and almost like kind of going to the sideline like trying to like you know, like he could have ran through that a little more. Um and so that's where it is just like he's just not seeing the ball right. He's just not you know, those deep passes right now are just like a nightmare for him, which is supposed to be what he's best at. And then obviously that crossing route, man, that was just man, that was bad. I know it's, it was behind him a little bit. But you're an NFL receiver, man, catch the dang ball.
2: Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know how critical I want to be of Kelsey, but uh, yeah. you know, certainly the production hasn't been there the last couple of weeks now. Uh, three catches for 16 yards total. They tried to get him involved, uh, and it just, it just wasn't there uh, this week. Now, the production came from others, so, you know, it wasn't a problem. But you hope that he's got something in the tank for the playoffs. I, I just I just start to worry a little bit that it's not uh, not the same Kelsey we're used to.
1: Yeah, no, the Bengals definitely, and, and like they've done in a lot of games, if you look at Kelsey's stat line against the Bengals, it's never great. Um, they, they do take him away. Lou Anarumo does a great job of kind of, you know, uh, de facto double teaming him by just having the safety. Play over the top. And and a lot of times that's why you saw the Chiefs get looks that were one high, you know, able to look, see MBS down the sideline, able to get Justin Watson on that 141 yard bomb. It's because that other safety is really paying attention to Kelsey. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, maybe this game specifically, it was more so them taking him away. But it is, you know, we got to see more than that. He's got to make a play, a big player, too, if, this Chiefs, if yeah. this Chiefs offense, you know, wants to be as good as it can be.
2: Yeah, because eventually defenses are going to see that Rasheed Rice is the one threat and they're going to really try to take him away. Uh, Kelsey's got to capitalize if they try to do that. So, uh, And he's been your clutch guy in the playoffs. So the postseason's coming up. Hopefully he gets right and, and puts it all out there for, for one, one big run here at the end. Another guy that maybe there's some concern about, maybe not. I'm curious to get your take. Uh, Wani Morris. The, the new left tackle uh, due to injury of Donovan Smith. The rookie allowed some more pressure this week, not as many as previous weeks. Uh, the sack he gave up uh, was a strip sack by, by Trey Hendrickson, which, is, which isn't great. Are you worried about his pass protection uh, ability long-term, or has he had just a couple of welcome-to-the-NFL games here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's more so just that he's had some welcome to the NFL moments. I think it's a good way to put it, honestly. Like, I don't think anyone expected him or wanted him to be starting at this point in the season. I think, ideally, Donovan Smith was this left tackle the entire season. You let Wanya develop, you know, maybe play when, you know, when you thought maybe we could be blowing teams out. Uh, That hasn't been happening this year. Uh, And this Week 18 game, though, I do think it'd be good for him to get the whole game, you know, not get any, like, rest or anything. They wouldn't do that, obviously. Um, with a rookie offensive line. They'll probably play the whole offensive line. But no, in this game specifically, the the first sack, I mean, the strip sack by Trey Hendrickson, it's like, it's just the Chiefs just being dumb. Like, give him the the protection. It was, <laughs> they gave Jawan Taylor the running back chip to the right, and it's like, Jawan Taylor's going against Sam Hubbard. Like, if Jawan Taylor can't lock him up, then we're we're screwed. Um, and, and you know, hey. You know, now, what do you think
2: I, I did see a comment, was it Mitchell Schwartz or somebody else was talking about how, the, they give the extra help based on what the defense does there. So it wasn't it wasn't like they specifically des, designed the play to not give help to, to Wanye, but it was more of a response to the, the defensive alignment that they ended up in that, in that position.
1: And that's where you can give credit to the Bengals because they probably do, you know, after playing so many times, there's probably things they kind of know and 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 maybe, you know, they set that up where they're like, all right, we're going to do this. So Hendrickson gets the one-on-one with a rookie left tackle because, you know, that's the thing. It only happened that one time, um, you know, that, that he just came around the corner. A lot of the other times, you know, there was a plan, a better plan. And, you know, a lot of times the Chiefs were just running the ball well, getting the ball out quick. Um, so it was just, you know that play was just an example of yeah like he's going to be able he's going to maybe have those moments as a rookie like in the playoffs you can't just leave him isolated you got to have plans uh especially against the ravens especially against you know teams like the bills the browns if they run into those kind of teams the steelers like they're going to have guys that can get around wanya if the, if you just leave him isolated so it's just got to be a more concerted effort to make sure he's not left on an island in an important moment because that was third down like yeah there's going to be times maybe on first down second down that you, but if it's an obvious pass down, you can't just leave him on an island against a good pass rusher like that, against a great pass rusher, I'd say. Hendrickson is 17 sacks. I mean, he's one of the best sack, uh, pass rushers in the league.
2: Well, I didn't realize he had that many. That's He's definitely a, a threat and and somebody who's who's making a name for himself, and so you, you got to pay attention to him. Uh, you had the instant breakdown this week, as usual. You talked about the opening drive and how they, they had some rare success there. Uh, yeah. what, do you, what do you got for us from the insta breakdown perspective?
1: Yeah, I mean, week 17 was this Chiefs Bengals game. The last time they had an opening drive touchdown was week nine. So it's been eight games. Um, that that Germany game against the Dolphins, they had an opening drive touchdown, which was nice. It kind of they just kind of marched down the field in a kind of similar way, right? because um, the thing I liked about this drive was the concerted effort in the run game right off the bat. Because if you look at the first play of the opening drive. It was a power play, which means you're, you're the, the linemen are down blocking. Joe Tooney's pulling into space. You have uh, Trev- Travis Kelsey sealed the defensive end very well, and Tooney seals the linebacker very well. Boom, you got nine yards right off the bat. Like That is a tone setter. Nine yards on first down is important, and that was the theme throughout this game. Instead of the previous game like the Raiders game, you had a lot of bad plays on first down, setting up for third and longs that they could not convert. In this game, you had a lot of explosive plays or just good plays on first down. Whether it was moving the chains or setting up for third and shorts, but on the, in the, in this opening drive, that was one thing. And then you saw the 35 yard run by Pacheco later, which was just great blocking. I already kind of mentioned that earlier, but one play with Rasheed Rice that I really liked to see. And this is where on opening drive. Sometimes you hear people say, you know, Hey, the, the team is trying to set up for the rest of the game. They're showing certain looks to see how the defense reacts. I think there are two versions of of of, the, of opening drives. I think there's ones that are strictly for that, and ones that are trying to score. And I think you could tell when the Chiefs are kind of do one or the other. And it felt like this one was a let's go down and score because of that first play I mentioned, but also because you see this one play where Rice is kind of lined up in the backfield, It's kind of that H back, and then he runs he runs a, a from a play action a bootleg. He runs that kind of slide route out of the backfield. You see a lot of uh, you know like running backs or a tight end do. They have Rice in that position because they need an explosive play. They want an explosive play, and that's what Rice can do. That's what they need to do more of is make him a versatile player where he's he's running more of the routes that you know maybe other, uh, other uh, receivers do, like a tight end. That got 18 yards. And then here's another thing that I noticed on the opening drive, which I thought was cool, even though it didn't result in anything. You saw uh, Justin Ross immediately come in for MVS once they got into the red zone, and you saw that throughout the game too, that once the Chiefs entered the red zone, Justin Ross came in the game for one of the three receivers in that eleven personnel set. So I think they are trying to make a, a concerted effort there. But that was the opening drive, right? So and 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 the final one, which is which is the play we all like, the the touchdown play. They just overload the Bengals to one side, get four receivers out out into a route, and actually uh, two Bengals players go with Rasheed Rice on the crosser. So the middle of the field just goes becomes wide open. Uh, Pacheco does a great job selling like he's going to the flat. It makes a linebacker commit to the flat. Boom, he's angling a Texas route into the middle of the field. Touchdown, great play design, great drive. And that's what they need to do in the playoffs is just manufacture opening drives on how the defense plays. Right? I think they know how this Bengals defense plays. And I think you saw they attacked it in certain ways to get that touchdown right away. And then they played into more conservative mode as the game went on. But I don't know. How did you like that opening drive touchdown? It was it was kind of refreshing to see right out the bat.
2: It was, and so what I'm hearing you say is the Chiefs should try to score touchdowns when they're on offense.
1: Yeah, right. Isn't it a crazy I mean, that's, concept?
2: That's that's a bold bold strategy there. Let's see how <laughs> it plays out as as they come down the stretch here.
1: And and what I will say is maybe you know in the regular season, right? Like there's not as much of a reason for the Chiefs to feel like they need to have that opening drive, you know, touchdown score instead of a, you know, like I said, like you can kind of see how the defense is playing you if you score a touchdown, Hey, that's great. Um, but I, I think sometimes Andy plays like that in the playoffs. So I think maybe he does turn it on into touchdown mode and, and that's what they need to do. And this was a touchdown or a playoff game. And I think that's maybe why you saw that they needed to win this game to, to have it all locked up. Yeah. I
2: mean, it gives you a little bit of hope that when Andy Reed and company are convinced that they need a win, uh, that they can go out and put something together and make it happen. Uh, obviously from here forward, they need a lot of wins. Uh, they need, four or five more wins to, to get to the, the ultimate goal.
1: Well, I want to be party pooper now, too, before we get to break, because I it is pretty quick. Because the red zone offense, right, was was pretty easily the kind of the party pooper thing about this game. Imagine that they finish some of these drives. I mean, we're talking about a 40 to 17 game, you know, something like that, where we're really thinking, oh, wow, Chiefs offense figured it out. They're good. But the weird thing about the red zone offense was just kind of, it's, it's not, you know, I almost found the positive in it, not a positive, but just almost like a, a formula, maybe, for the Chiefs in the in, in the postseason, which we all might just have to get used to, is that Mahomes is going to play pretty conservatively, knowing how this off or this team is constructed right now, and, and knowing how maybe their best uh, their best way to win a Super Bowl right now is to not force turn you know or not for I mean not force plays to, so to not have turnovers I should say, um and, and and maybe just to you know play more time of possession, run the ball well, right, and trust this defense to hold teams under twenty to seventeen points. And so that's what you saw in these red zone offensive drives is, Mahomes rarely, and and actually I'm looking through my notes. I don't think he actually attempted a throw into the end zone in these last four field goal drives. They all ended inside the red zone, but he was they were either running it or he was dropping back, didn't like what he saw, and they were might they might have been ugly checkdowns sometimes. Some of the checkdowns like oh man, you know you don't like it was kind of out of rhythm, but he was checking it down, he was settling for kind of a field goal, he wasn't forcing stuff. And that's kind of how this offense might have to play. And it might be frustrating at times. You need to finish some of those drives, but at the same time, it's not always going to be there. And with this defense right now, maybe you can trust multiple field goal drives, knowing that, uh, you know, your offense between the twenties might be getting a little more space. Mahomes might be feeling a little better between the twenties when it gets condensed though, that, that's when the receivers route running and trust really does get important, right? When the space mm. is condensed and, and maybe that's why you're seeing them struggle to finish drives.
2: Yeah, we definitely see too many turnovers in the red zone this year. So if they can avoid that situation, even if it ends in a field goal, then then yeah, good things are going to happen when your defense plays well. I did notice that there was was that five of the six field goals that uh, it was a checkdown to Pacheco that was short of the first down. Uh, I mean, it was it was really notable, and that's obviously yeah. why Pacheco had so many targets this game because it was it was checkdown city, and and he was a recipient of those. You take those right. away, you know, and he's got a typical two or three, uh, two or three catch game. So, yeah, it, that's an interesting pattern. Um, we'll get to some questions after the break. We've got some good ones this week. We'll talk a little bit about what that winning formula is going forward, and I, I think you may be onto something there. Uh, but let's get to everybody's favorite game. What NFL player am I? Uh, Ron's going to attempt to stump me for the second time ever uh, this week <laughs> with somebody who played for both the Chiefs and the Chargers.
1: Yes, I will do so. Let's do it. Chiefs Chargers. I am a player that started my career with the Chiefs in the 90s. Had my had my little run with, with the 90s Chiefs. But then I went to San Diego and made a name for myself a little more across the NFL. Made my only Pro Bowl there. But I actually did finish my career up in Kansas City down the stretch. And the, and, I, and those are the only two teams I played for. That's all I got for you, Stags.
2: All right, we'll get to that. Plus, more of your questions after the break. Stick with us on the Autostructure podcast.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience, because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away.
2: And we're back on the Out of Structure Podcast, Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Make sure you like, rate, review, follow all of the, the uh, great content that you'll see from our contributors on the site and on the podcast network. Ron Kopp Jr., Matt Sagner, trying to figure out Ron's question this week. Somebody who played for both the Chiefs and the Chargers, he mentioned that he started with the Chiefs, went to the Chargers, came back to the Chiefs. Uh, that's where he lost me. I I was going to go with Brandon Flowers, so I'm just going to stick with that guess because I can't think of anybody else. Um, but I don't think he came back to the Chiefs after being a, a Charger.
1: No, and I, I did mention the 90s was when he started with the Chiefs. Um, uh, so it okay. is kind of an older player, uh, well older over. school player. But he did play linebacker. Does that help at all? Linebacker for the Chiefs Ooh. in the 90s. Went over to the Chargers, made a little bit more of a name for himself. Wait, and wait, wait. Came wait. back. You talk about Donnie Edwards, yes, sir. Oh my goodness,
2: I can't believe I'm, I forgot about him. All right.
1: One-time Pro Bowler with the Chargers. Um, wow. Yeah, there you go. Because I, it is funny. I, uh, you know, growing up, the era I did, I remember Donnie Edwards, but I had no idea he was a Chief until a little later into my fandom. I just remembered him as a the Chargers linebacker. Um, One of those guys yeah. that
2: most Chiefs fans that are my age are are still mad that they let him go, let, ever let him leave the Chiefs, uh, right? He was he fifth in
1: player of the year voting in two thousand four. <laughs> yeah, mean, he, my God, <laughs> he brought that element
2: that uh, that just was missing, uh, and and he was that he was that modern day linebacker that can play in space, can play against the pass, and uh, nice. That she's went probably fifteen years without having anybody else like him uh, other than Derek Johnson.
1: Well, hey, there you go. I mean, that, that there's Donnie Donnie Edwards.
2: All right, let's get to some mailbag questions. We had plenty on Twitter. Make sure you remember to submit those either on Twitter or through the Gmail account. Uh, We love your questions just because it makes it easier to have something to talk about. But also, there's so many good, insightful ones uh, this week. Uh, Ed Helinski, uh, clearly a reader of ArrowheadPride.com, asked at this point in the season, who's trending up and who's trending down? Uh, I, I joke a little bit there because I do write a weekly piece uh, called market movers, where we talk about which chiefs are are trending in which direction. Uh, some that we're bullish on that are trending up, and some that are we're bearish on that are trending down. And usually, uh, a sleeper or two, somebody that we uh, that we or or the rest of the league are sleeping on, uh, who who may be an impact player. So I'm going to let Ron go first on answering this question because uh, obviously I've got my my opinions out there. Uh, but but go ahead. You have a maybe. Give us one uh, that's trending in each direction.
1: I'll go trending up, um, and it and it's one that you know I think it makes sense why I think I'm going to say Chris Jones because I think there he hasn't been maybe as high in the market maybe as as he could be um, with his with how he's been playing down the stretch hasn't had the production necessarily, but you see him you see him getting through. Uh, when I was at the Raiders game. He was popping off at the beginning of the game when they weren't helping the uh, the guard as much. This game he was he he was getting through. He had the sack at the end of the game. Finally, I think you're going to see him, you know, really be a dominant player in the in the postseason. Be a reason why, uh, you know, the defense, you know, kind of tries to carry this team, you know, to the finish line. Right. And so I'd say Chris Jones is is trending up into you know where he might be. That we kind of saw him as that legendary elite player in the AFC Championship last year after that performance. I think we're going to maybe see closer to that uh, once we get into the postseason. He definitely
2: has the clutch gene and he, he seems to be ready to, to step up and close games out. I saw that he put out another plea on, on Twitter to get Frank Jones, Frank Clark back. Uh, but yeah, he did. Those, I saw that. Yeah, Those were your closers, you know, in, in past playoff runs. Those are the guys who, when you absolutely needed to play, uh, you know, in general, those are the ones that are stepping up uh, for me. It's hard to have Chris Jones on a, on a stock up because, the way I rank players, you know, I've got them kind of one through 53 uh, on, on the roster, and he's already, you know, top three, no matter how you slice it. Um, so, so definitely think that he's got a chance to make an impact, but maybe not somebody I had I'd slotted as a, as a stock up because the stock's already high. Um, I thought you were going to go with, as you talked about, a defender who might be an impact player who broke loose with, with a sack later in the game. Uh, I thought we were talking about a safety here uh, and, and somebody who is kind of your defensive leader in, in a lot of ways. Uh, Justin Reed, I think maybe a, a, an ascending player at this point. He's a big hitter. Uh, he, he has the ability to be a ball hawk. Uh, but man, he, he's been fun to watch as a pass rusher uh, in, in recent weeks and maybe somebody that they can mix things up a little bit, with, a little bit more coming down the stretch.
1: Yeah, no, I Justin Reed is a good one because they're going to need him to be a playmaker at the safety position uh, with B. Cook, I think still injured. We don't really know his status, um, you know, hopefully coming back. But that's that safety position is definitely, you know, not as versatile. You know, it's kind of more straight up where Reed's got to have to be in the box making plays on tight ends like, you know, he that, there's no there's no like, you know, kind of disguising in it. Um, so he's just going to have to be a really good player. And he has been. So I like that one. You know, I should have gave Charles a a shout out with the trending up because that's kind of someone we've been highlighting on the site recently. And man, he has been on a tear recently has he's been in on a sack in at least five straight games. Um, He's, he's batting down passes. He's getting pressure from the edge too. I know I've talked about that on the pod, but you know, it's not just the inside stuff that we all kind of saw coming into the season. So I want to, I should shout out him too. I should have made him the trending up, but trending down. I mean, you know, I don't know who else to put besides Marquez Valdez Scantling. Like he, he needs to be trending down and out of the lineup. Um, like he needs to be because this guy, this is someone that's supposed to be, you know, a staple in the receiving rotation. He's supposed to be a starter. He's been a starter all, all both years here in terms of the eleven personnel. He is one of those three receivers out there when they have everybody healthy. But he does not. He should not be one of those players. He should be a rotation player that plays as much as a Richie James or a, a you know. A, last year, Justin Watson, this year, Justin Watson's a starter. So he's, you know, so all I have to say is I, it's obviously MBS. I don't know who else I'd really want to put trending down at this point.
2: Yeah. He, he's unfortunately on my list almost every week uh, trending down. It's, it's, it's getting to the point where, yeah, he's a, uh, his stock is cheap, right? Like in theory, you <laughs> can buy low on, on MBS at this point, but, uh, but cool. I don't, I just don't see it coming up. Uh, uh, and, and, I do, since you you got too bullish or two guys you were high on that are, that are trending up, I'm going to take a second and go with Willie Gay Jr., who is somewhat yeah. uh, of an under-the-radar player this season. We talked about, oh, is he going to see a lot of uh, uh, snaps with Drew Tranquil being on the field? It, it seemed like they figured out a formula that still keeps Willie Gay on the field, and he makes some impact plays. He had some monster plays this week. Uh, including that fourth down stop where he just blew through the line of scrimmage and they had no chance of converting, uh, really causing a turnover on downs in the red zone. That was a one of the things that turned the tide on this game. I think they, uh, if, if I remember correctly, the Bengals only crossed over midfield once the rest of the game after that one play. Uh, that was a, you know, that was a big stop and and something that you don't always see from this defense. Uh, Willie Gay has been been a big play guy uh, off and on throughout his NFL career. But it feels like he's found a role and found a a spot where he can make an impact.
1: Well, and the cool thing about that play was that, you know, watching the game, you saw the frustration. The CBS cameras caught, you know, Willie Gay uh, getting frustrated on the sideline, needing to be calmed down by Chris Jones. That was before that play. What happened was on the touchdown they allowed. um, uh, It was, I think, third and goal. uh, Yeah, it was third and goal. Browning rolls out. Willie Gay has a shot to stop him short of the goal line, kind of just flies in too fast, kind of flies by him. Browning is able to squeeze by, score a touchdown. And apparently Omenahu kind of was getting on him. Um, probably about that, I'm assuming that part of it, but it was after that play, because when you came back from break, that's when they showed Willie Gay getting frustrated. And so for him to respond in a positive way, right, and make a play later in the game with that energy rather than, you know, get, you know, too uh, you know, caught up. And, you know, and, and Chris showing that leadership, right? I think that was a cool moment. I'm, I've been someone to say that Chris is more just an emotional leader in terms of kind of getting people hype. He's not maybe a true, you know, veteran player leader. But that was a, that was a moment where he was. And so I want to shout out Chris Jones for showing that leadership. And it might have been the reason why Gay was was locked in and able to make that play later in the game.
2: That's a great catch. and a great, great point. I think there's a lot to be said for that mental fortitude. It's what makes champions champions, right? Is they don't melt down. Or if they have a, a brief meltdown, they forget it quick and get back in and have a positive result afterwards. Uh, I think that's a positive thing. You know, There's been a lot of turmoil on the sidelines this year, a lot of frustrated players for obvious reasons. Uh, you like to see them making something positive out of that. So I, I think that's great. Uh, I guess for, for trending down, I'll stick with the wide receiver room and go with the other guy that should be making plays for this team that has not. Uh, Kadarius Toney is somebody who, again – was supposed to be the number one wide receiver, supposed to be a big playmaker, supposed to be versatile, supposed to be somebody they were saving for the stretch run, somebody that's going to come in and help them win games in the playoffs. Did a little bit last year, uh, certainly made an impact on at least on punt returns. Uh, you know, missed the last couple of weeks with a hip injury. A lot of people have kind of raised an eyebrow at that and said, hey, is this a, a shadow benching? Is this a, a, a way to say, hey, yes, you've got an injury? to take a seat, whether you think you're injured or not. Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm starting to have less and less faith that he's going to be this late season weapon that they've been keeping under wraps for the rest of the league.
1: Yeah, on it, I agree with you. And honestly, I think no one should expect that. And let's just, let's just use Richie James in that role and just see how it goes. I just really feel like Richie James can do 80% 85% of what Tony can do as an athlete after the catch. And you saw him do the punt return. He had the one funky one, but he did have the big one this game, right? It was like 27 yards. It looked like he was breaking it. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't really used him on offense as much as like a Tony, but you know, if you want to, if you want to use that kind of player, I say, use him. I, I just feel like it, let's just see how he does and stop trying to rely on Tony. So I, I'm with you.
2: A question from L chief honcho. He was at the game yesterday and said, McCole Hardman was activated. Why wasn't he used? He knows the playbook. He should have Mahomes' trust. Uh, he wants to see James and Hardman with Rice and Ross instead of MBS. Thanks, guys. Go Chiefs. Uh, go Chiefs indeed. I, I don't mind this idea. I, I had McCole Hardman as a sleeper for this week, thinking that he was somebody that could make a big play or two here and there. It doesn't need to be a high-volume guy, but if you you get him, sneak him open deep or, or throw a jet sweep or something his way, wide receiver screen, something that could be – uh, you know, productive. He could be that missing speed element, that big play receiver that they don't have right now. And yes, we're all in agreement that MVS should, I mean, I would almost go so far as to make him inactive uh, in the playoffs, but you, you probably just need him on the bench and just in case somebody gets hurt.
1: Well, I, I, this guy knows what he's talking about because I, I think they did do Ross in the red zone instead of MBS. I noticed that in the first drive, like I mentioned earlier. So shout out uh, you for that observation. I think it's something that they are, are going to continue to do um, because they need someone in the red zone that can catch a tight window throw, a contested catch. And MBS is not that guy. Um, and neither is is Justin Watson to an extent, although he's he's had uh, you know better fortune with that. But yeah, I, I think the McColl thing is just, you know he's going to be used on those jet sweeps and stuff but i think they really didn't you they were the offense was really basic this last game and and i think you saw that it was they didn't have as much pre-snap motion as much kind of jet sweep stuff and maybe that's kind of why or kind of how i should say is, is is that's how they simplified it
2: yeah and, and maybe he's going to be the secret weapon all along that uh <laughs> that comes and makes an impact i mean they they thought enough of him to to trade assets to to get him back uh, after missing him you know for for part of the season so Maybe there's something uh, up their sleeves that we don't know about. I want to jump to add Jake. Jake for now, Jake Wilson, our guy. Who's going to finish the regular season with better combined stats? A, Rasheed Rice plus Noah Gray, or B, Travis Kelsey plus MVS? If you didn't look at the numbers, I, I know you've done the research here, but without looking at the numbers, what would your gut have said?
1: Oh, I, I would have told you probably Rasheed Rice and Noah Gray because Noah Gray actually (laughs) catches some passes and and gets volume rather, you know, uh, rather than MBS. But, uh, but yeah, no, I didn't realize he was trying to make it like a, like a guessing game thing. Uh, I thought he just wanted to, I thought he just wanted to see who was gonna, who was gonna have more down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, without, without looking
2: up the numbers, you know, historically, obviously it's Kelsey and MBS over the last few games. I I would think that Rice uh, Rice's production ticking out the way it has would, would have that, that duo overcome the others. But he, he kind of is a good thing to point out here. I'll let you cover the stats, but it's kind of an interesting, is this a handoff of the, you know, to the younger players a little bit, a, a transition uh, of sorts to say, Hey, you're not necessarily going to be relying on the, Travis Kelsey's and MVS's of the world going forward. Maybe it is Rasheed Rice and Noah Gray and obviously Pacheco and, and others that you're going to build this offense
1: around. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I could see, I just think Gray, uh, he just gets, he's just a more volume player than MBS. So I think it's a little bit of, you know, the yardage, uh, you know, I mean, Kelsey and MBS do have more yardage this year. So, I, I mean, I can tell you that um, they have just a few more yards, just like 60 more yards, um, but they have less touchdowns, which is kind of, is kind of funny. Um, rice and gray combined for nine touchdowns this year kelsey and mbs only have six so yeah i know you're right i mean you know kelsey and mbs should be the top two receiving receivers on the team um you know if you go by kind of how you know the stats or the the contracts works out and stuff but um i think rice is just i mean he could like we talked about earlier he could surpass kelsey uh receiving wise and and gray's just kind of been the the guy check down guy or just kind of you know two or three catches a game he's been consistent he's been solid
2: yeah, I think it's been a good year for Noah Gray and, and a step in the right direction. I'm not sure he's ever going to be your number one but he, at the tight end yeah. position, uh, but he, he seems to have a, a good amount of value and, and a solid player.
1: And I would even say real quick before we move on that I I think it'd be kind of nice to see in his last year, maybe him be the third tight end and then find somebody else that it could even be more of an upgrade as that second tight end. And then you have kind of, you know, maybe your 13 personnel is back to being more effective because. I don't think Gray's just earned the right to be like the tight end two without any competition. I mean, he's been solid, but not he hasn't been amazing.
2: Totally understood. Uh, let's talk a little bit maybe on the negative side. Um, JC Proctor asks, with all the draft capital at linebacker, why are teams finding success targeting them, especially against tight ends? You saw some of that, especially in the early going against the Bengals. Uh, I think they were specifically targeting – Nick Bolton uh, in coverage, uh, which we've always been aware that that's been a little bit of a weakness of his, but uh, they, they seem to make some adjustments and, and get a little bit better uh, in the second half. But maybe you can speak a little bit to the the tight end versus linebacker matchups, and and is there still a weakness in, in that tight end or, the, I'm sorry, in the linebacker room?
1: Well, it's just like any NFL offense now. You want to attack the linebacker position because it's kind of the position teams don't uh, value as much, right, in the draft capital. The funny thing is the Chiefs do uh, value it a lot, right? And plus, they've signed Drew Tranquil, which is just an overall uh, investment. They, they have a lot in the linebacker position. But, yeah, I think it's, it's just a, a matter of getting teams in base personnel, getting the Chiefs in base personnel, running a lot of play action. Bolton is not as good, you know, going backward as he is moving forward, and that's just kind of a weakness in his game, and that's, you know, something that teams can exploit. Um, I think Willie can be a little erratic in his in his kind of uh, c- coverage. I think there's times where he's kind of, you know, moving a little too. He's not just sound kind of dropping into a space. He's kind of, you know, a little too reactionary, kind of trying to jump things and it leaves space open. So, and then Leo Chenal, obviously, you know, in those base packages and they have all three linebackers on the field. Again, I, I think it's just a smart strategy by offenses to attack. And, and when the Chiefs are in that way, because any other Chiefs personnel they're in, they're a lot more, uh, they're a lot harder to pass against. So I, I think that's why you see, teams attack it that way.
2: Yeah, you're, you're not going to have absolute perfection on all three levels of the defense. Uh, we talked earlier, the Chiefs pass rush is a strength, the Chiefs secondary is a strength, and you're, the linebackers are better than they have been in recent years, so I wouldn't lose a lot of sleep over the fact that teams can, can get some yardage there at times. They've got ways to close that up. They've got Drew Tranquil, who they can rotate in, you know, if Bolden's getting picked on in the passing game. They've got options there. Uh, with two very very athletic linebackers and and just a, an overall solid uh, player, so I think there's a opportunity there uh, for them to to mix things up. And so yeah, I'm definitely not worried about it. This may be a defensive team now. And, and Joe at Bro Leave Me Alone on Twitter says, if the Chiefs can score 25 like they did last night or the other night in the playoffs, what is their when does their season actually end? So how far can they go with this model of being a ball control, game management, offense, simple offense with a good defense.
1: Man, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, this defense just continues to impress. You know, I think in the playoffs when, you know, everything is, you know, more on their P's and Q's, like the offense I, I'm, I'm saying, it'll kind of help the defense not give up to like the Raiders game, two touchdowns. So I don't know, man, I, I would, I want to say like, you know, they get, you know, they'd win a couple playoff games at least. Um, but I do think if they get to that AFC championship and it's in Baltimore, I do think you need to score more than that to beat Baltimore this year. That offense is, is good. Lamar, I think, you know, it's just going to be hard for this defense to, you know, that's, that's the one thing that, you know, mobile quarterbacks have kind of still given this defense, you know, trouble at times. So yeah, I would say, I'd say the AFC championship, if, if that's kind of, if we're talking they, we can guarantee 25 points in the wild card and division round. I'll have to see the matchups, but I, I, I do think they could be Buffalo that way. You know, the Browns, obviously. I think the Dolphins could be in Arrowhead, right? You know, I do think uh, you can trust the Chiefs defense to maybe hold them down to at least 24 points. What do you think, Stags? Yeah,
2: I mean, if they play the way they did against the Bengals, I think they can probably get through the first round or two of the playoffs. I think that's a reasonable assumption um they've got to be clean they, they you know they can't turn the ball over a lot they turned it over once against the Bengals. that that's if they turn it over more than once 25 points isn't going to do it and, and that's just kind of the the way i the way i feel about
1: it yeah that makes sense yeah no i think i i think the defense though i think spags playoff mode held joe burrow to 10 points last year or not 10 points excuse me was it 17 points in the or 20 points it was a 20 was it 20 23 20 game in the ac championship last year maybe i'm it was a low like scoring that. game for a lot of that. Um, but, yeah, I think Spag's defense, it, playoff, playoff mode is going to be fun.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, they say the defense wins championships. They at least give you a shot. And if you've got a great defense, you've got Mahomes, you've got a shot. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Jake Wilson, that Jake for now, this is my favorite question of the week, I think. Uh, suppose you had the ability to magically protect the Chiefs throughout the postseason run. Magically protect them from only one of the following. Which would you pick? Um, would you magically protect them from throwing interceptions from fumbling the ball from injuries, from three and outs, from uncontested drops, from missed kicks or from a penalty on the final drive? (laughs) These are all good because these are all things that have happened this season. This is clearly not a coincidence. These are things that have been a problem uh, all year. To me, the answer is very, very easy. I'm going to let you go first just to see if you come up with the same thing,
1: man, that is tough. Um, But, you know, I think it is interception because there are a lot of plays where the drop turns into an interception. So you can't, you know, you can't say that drop's going to turn into a pick if there's no interceptions at all. So the drop can't turn into a bigger play. I'm going to say interception. I was a 100% time.
2: going interception because uh, a slightly different angle is if you can tell Patrick Mahomes, it is impossible for you to throw an interception this postseason he can sling it all over the field and (laughs) never throw an interception. That's going to be a lot of fun because you take that fear away. You take that risk away. And now he doesn't have to play as conservative. Uh, that, that could be a really fun few games there with no risk of interception. That would be awesome.
1: In past years, I feel like injury would be the easy answer, but you know, Mm. this team is not just like, Hey, if this team stays healthy, it's, it's, you know, in the Super Bowl. I think some years you could say that, but, uh, I think yeah. this team definitely needs a little bit of uh, magic like that. Obviously, we,
2: we've talked all year about drops. That would be a nice uh, a nice one to avoid all the way through the playoff run. Hey, if you never had a three and out on the playoffs, you're scoring a lot of points, most likely. Uh, you know that, that would be another one you, you could think about. But, yeah, give me Mahomes with no chance of an interception all day long. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward a little bit to the offseason – Uh, Tim Niker, uh, K-N-I-K-E-R, Niker, maybe, yeah, uh, asked, what's your priority ranking of the offseason for the free agents below? Is it sign Sneed, sign Chris Jones, or another defensive tackle to replace him? Sign a top free agent wide receiver? Sign Willie Gay Jr. or Drew Tranquil? Sign Mike Dana? Sign a backup running back? Or sign others? Uh, and this sort of ties in a little bit to Chief's all day question. If you could only keep one, who would you keep Lejarius Sneed or Chris Jones? So, how do you prioritize these guys in the off season?
1: I, to me, it's become clear. um and and I think it is helped by the players' stages in their careers, right? Chris Jones is at a way different stage in his career than Legerious Sneed is. It almost feels crazy that Lejarius Sneed is just now coming off of his rookie contract because he feels like he's been playing for so long now. but, you know, to me, it's Le'Jarius need, and I think you do need to get him signed um, because I feel like you have the secondary, this young secondary rookie contracts where, you know, you pair the expensive guy with the rookie deals, and that kind of, you know, gives you a strong secondary without maybe paying as much as, as some teams would, maybe having to sign two big guys or, you know, having to sign a, a big safety because Justin Reed's contract is even not very expensive in this last year of his deal coming up even though you could cut him and kind of, you know, start over with the safety position as well. All that to say, I think it's Snead. Um, and, and that's not even really a slight to Chris Jones, but I do think it's going to be one or the other, right? Sag's like, there can't be both of them signed to big deals.
2: Yeah, I don't think we'll get that lucky to see both of those guys signed. Uh, I think based on the way negotiations have gone with Chris Jones, it's going to be, it's just going to be difficult to get him done. And you can't bank your entire offseason again on signing Chris Jones to a long-term deal. You'd love to see it. I I wouldn't complain, even if they overpaid him, if they were able to lock him in and and you knew that you had him as a centerpiece of your defense going forward, great. But this secondary has got something special brewing, and they've got some other options at pass rush with Karloftis coming on, uh, with Ominihu, who's got another year in town, right? Uh, There's a couple of players that they can develop uh, you can sign Mike Dana much cheaper, bring him back probably than, than obviously the too much you'd have to pay Chris Jones. There's some different things you can do there. Um, they're going to need to address defensive tackle with or without Chris Jones. It just becomes yes. very, very difficult if they sign Chris Jones first or if they have to wait uh, and save money to sign Chris Jones to make any other moves. So he kind of holds your whole offseason program hostage uh, if you – if you go into the offseason trying to sign Chris Jones first.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. No, I, that's actually a good point because you know as good as Chris Jones is as a pass rusher, you know, you do have you know these other pass rushing options coming on. Omenihu has just been a force, so he could even play that Chris Jones role on third downs as that inside pass rusher, that long guy that um that that's lanky. So, I think there's a lot of signs pointing to Chris Jones maybe, you know, not coming back to Kansas City on a big deal, but you know, that's, and he's not the guy that I, I think he's going to go get his money. So I guess that's, that's to say, you know, it, it does feel like it's, it's Chris is going to get signed somewhere else. But as far as the other lists on this, on, on Tim's, uh, on his priority list here, you know, he signed, he says, sign top free agent receiver. That would be to me something I would like to see them do. And it does feel like they're going to do it. Like we've seen, uh, Brett Veach over correct positions when they need to get over even if maybe it is over correcting it. Uh, but that means maybe paying a guy uh, a lot of money in the free agent market. And there are some good receivers, uh, maybe not as, as strong of a class as we maybe initially thought, but still some guys you can go after and get. Um, a guy like Mike Evans, to me, is starting to feel like more and more of a, of a good answer just because he still looks like he's playing well at 30 years old. Um, if he does want to uh, make that commit, although, you know, at his age, maybe the deal is going to be, you know, he's still going to ask for a lot of money. He is like a Hall of Fame receiver. I'm i lot to say is I think number three would still be, or I guess number two, if I'm not talking about signing Chris Jones, number two would be signing a top free agent receiver.
2: Addressing that wide receiver room is certainly going to be a top priority. One way or the other, whether it's a veteran, whether it's a rookie, whether it's both. I mean, you'd feel pretty good about this room if they brought in a Mike Evans with Rasheed Rice, and then they drafted somebody relatively early. It doesn't even right. matter if, you know, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony or others uh, develop uh, behind them. You've got, You've got a room you can lean on. I think that Willie Gay or Drew Tranquil is going to be an interesting offseason thing as well, just because you know one or the other, it's going to be hard to bring both of those guys back, uh, although you'd love to see it. Uh, Running back, he has on here sign a backup running back. I wouldn't necessarily go to the free agent market for a running back. I'd certainly look at the draft again for that. Mm -hmm. I would love to see them just be really intentional about getting an explosive running back, a, a big play, down the field type running back, Uh, you know, think uh, a Jameer Gibbs type player, obviously that's going to take an earlier draft pick than what they'll probably spend on it. But you'd love to see just kind of that big play element from the running back room. Uh, You can find running backs that can get you a couple yards here and there. There's not very many running backs that have that game breaking speed or that great game breaking ability. I think that would be an element that this offense could really use
1: yeah I, Jameer Gibbs man he is he looks like Jamal Charles like I've never remembered a running back reminding me of Jamal Charles and you know I don't want to just dis- I'm not trying to disrespect you know Goat Chiefs running back but I mean my god the way he he just runs the way he can get out I mean it really is Jamal Charles-esque and yeah, I would like to see the Chiefs give Pacheco a, a, a better compliment um, so they can still use Pacheco's strengths and still you know uh, use him to his best strengths and skills but again I mean this this whole skill position group needs a revamping and that does not exclude the running backs.
2: If you had a thunder and lightning and Pacheco was your thunder, <laughs> then yeah. you got something going. Instead um, of taking
1: a hundred percent of the running back handoff like this last week, like it's not going right. to last forever.
2: All right. Uh, Tim Niker also asked the chiefs need the next three AFC West titles to tie the Patriots for most uh, consecutive division titles in history. Given the issues on other teams, you have to believe the Chiefs are favored to do so. What are the the biggest obstacles in the next three years for the Chiefs to go uh, 11 straight in the AFC West?
1: You know, I think it's the Broncos, honestly. I'm really fascinated to see what they do this offseason. Um, but Sean Payton is absolutely going to have that team competing, winning, you know, uh, fighting for the playoffs. You know, I mean, they were this year. I mean, I you know, even with the quarterback, they apparently didn't want starting for the second half of the season they won games and and put themselves in position until that 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 Patriots loss. So I would definitely say Denver. Um, you know, I know Justin Herbert's in LA and they'll get a new coach and maybe that's going to revitalize that offense, but you know, they 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 have a lot of roster construction to do there and so it might take a while still for them until Herbert's fully utilized, which sounds crazy because he's already been kind of wasted um throughout his first few years. But I'm definitely on Denver. What do you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, the the Raiders are always a mess one or the other. I think they may have finally found a coach though that that can do something over there. Uh, So maybe that's a team to be reckoned with. I think they still have a lot of things to figure out, but they've put together some, some pretty uh, interesting wins this year as has Denver, but really the only obstacles to me are, you know, the more internal more so than, than the uh, external options. I'll keep saying it uh, until something changes, this team is this team's able to win any game where they play well. Uh, if, the, if the Chiefs can execute, it doesn't really matter what the other three teams in the AFC West do. Uh, they're not going to pass them up. Uh, we're starting to run low on time here, so let's jump to Ed Halinsky's question, and then we can preview uh, the Chargers season uh, regular season finale game coming up. Ed Helinski says, what individual and team New Year's resolution should the Chiefs bow to do for 2024? Uh, this is the you know New Year's question. It's the it's the we're recording this the day after New Year, so the second of January 2024. Um, I'll start here. Uh, everybody's New Year's resolution is to lose weight, right? Like that's what every every individual person throws out that resolution. That's what they want to do. Uh, maybe the Chiefs could resolve to lose some dead weight. Uh, and stop playing MVS so much uh, <laughs> and, and just kind of put him on the bench uh, at, at this point going forward, uh, reallocate those, those snaps and those targets to somebody else.
1: Yeah. I like that. No, I, I, I like that one. Uh, no, I was just going to say, uh, you know, something to the effect of, you know, maybe stay, you know, stay clean of the, you know, anything impairing the old, uh, you know, the old brain cells, uh, the, any, anything, uh, anything going against that, you know, what if, let's just stay, uh, Let's just have a clean January, you know. So what what do they call it? Sober January. I think people do that, right? You know, let's just dry uh, dry January,
2: yeah. Have a have a clear head. Dry
1: Jan. You know, yeah. Let's just you know, Kelsey, Mahomes, you know, everybody else, you know, whatever, you know. Let's just uh, let's have a clear head. You know, I know everyone needs their their vices, but uh, you know, we this team, these receivers, everybody needs to be on the same page with Mahomes. So I think uh, I think every, anything will do. So let's let's have a dry January. uh, Shout shout out. What
2: about give me one individual player? resolution um I'll start with Joan Taylor speaking of clean January uh Juwan Taylor starting this year out uh, fresh forget all of the stuff that where he's been the target and the focus of the refs for for 2023 uh let's have Jawan Taylor go penalty free uh in in 2024.
1: oh I love that I mean that's good uh no, I think Mahomes honestly, you know, he he does need to, you know, play him a little more disciplined. So, you know, I think if Mahomes can vow to, you know, go through his, you know, uh be disciplined more through his reads, stay in the pocket, you know, through the entire play. If the reads really aren't there, checking down in rhythm, you know, not trying to make a a big play, you know, when it's necessarily not there, I think Mahomes could could do some, you know, could be a little more disciplined, you know, hone in on his uh on his uh his his play to play craft. I'll give you that. Fair enough.
2: Well, we have one final regular season pre game to preview. Uh, what do you like about this matchup with the San Diego, Los Angeles, whatever Chargers coming, to ta- <laughs> coming in for the final game of the season?
1: Well, we are heading out to L.A. for it. Uh, it'll be in uh, SoFi Stadium. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so a little L.A. trip, you know, a little nice little vacay for the team uh, right before the playoffs start, you know. I really do think it'd be nice if the Chiefs just, you know, and I know Travis Kelsey is within a was within a, a catch of it, so I get maybe him doing it. For but for, for the most part, these veteran starters let them rest, get everyone, you know, that bye week that would have been nice to have this year, right? If they did truly, you know, get the one seed, they don't have it. They usually do use it as that as that bye week before the playoffs. I would like them to do that. Um, but these young players, I, I think there's a lot of rookies, second year guys that that could still stand to have you know, another game to still get in rhythm, you know, kind of, you know, get confidence still. So I'm not saying everybody, um, but I, you know, I don't need to see my homes. So I, I would like that to kind of be the case. Um, I don't think it will be. I do think they like to, va- they do value that kind of, like the, like I'm saying, the Kelsey thing, I could see them coming out one drive, getting Kelsey the yards and, and and calling the starters quits. But I would be fine, Stags, with not really seeing any significant players take the field at all. And just getting ready, for that. so I really, you know, I mean, this game's a nothing. I mean, it's 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 just about looking at young players, um, and and seeing if anyone kind of stands out. So I'm excited for that part of it, I guess.
2: Yeah, the Chargers have not had a good season. <laughs> they've uh, um, they've really
1: struggled. No, I, can't, I can't imagine they'll give much of a fight. Like it's not like yeah. one of those teams where they'll come out and like, oh, we want to spoil, you know, or like we want to finish the season strong. Like everyone's quit over there. Like I got to imagine. I mean, they're five and eleven. They've lost their last what four games
2: and seven of their last eight. Their lone victory over the last eight games was six to nothing over New England. Uh, (laughs) That's hilarious. It's been it's been uh, a rough go, including that sixty three to twenty one loss at the Raiders. If that doesn't make you quit, I don't know what's going to. Uh, They played Buffalo and Denver tight the last two weeks, but. This Easton stick led offense, you know, shouldn't scare anybody. Uh, They've got a a defense that's wildly inconsistent. (laughs) So I don't know what to expect from them from, from a matchup perspective. I do think the chiefs have to see it as a, as a get ride, as a tune up, maybe a little preview of the future with some of the young players and and just try to make one more run at the playoffs. Uh, Definitely want to see Kelsey rested and healthy. You want to see Mahomes escape healthy, whether he plays at all uh, or or not. Either way, you keep those two guys healthy. You get everybody else uh, maybe some reps and figure some stuff out. I think they could still win this game, and I I would like to see them do that. I mean, you you hate to see them limp into the playoffs, even resting guys on a loss. Uh, And and somehow uh, 11 wins sounds a lot lot better than 10, uh, given this uh, 17-game schedule. So – I'd sure like to see them find a way to win this game, uh, but I'd love to see them do it with backups, Ella uh, Chase Daniel from years ago.
1: Yeah, no, right. I I do think ten and seven, seven losses would be the most Andy Reid's ever had in this uh, in a season with the Chiefs, tied with twenty fourteen, the only year he didn't make the playoffs since he, uh, when he was a head coach here. So yeah, no, I think I think there's something there, and the Chiefs always take pride in winning these games, even if they don't have the the primary guys in there. And I mean, honestly, I mean, I talked about like this team is made full of young first, second, third year guys. So like when I mentioned earlier that really the veterans, I'd like to see the rest. It's really not that many of them. So you should see a good chunk of the the guys still playing. I think I think that, you know, I I think staying in a rhythm like I mentioned with Rice earlier is, is important. So, yeah, I think the Chiefs will still try to win. But guys like Mahomes, Kelsey, even Pacheco, I would say would be the main one maybe in the in the offensive side let's get them some rest and, and, and go on this run. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see if they can, if they can pull this off Stags, let's I'm go. excited to see if they can do a defensive lead kind of, you know, not the same kind of win as they've had in the past Stags. I mean, it's we're fans now, right? It's, it's all about just seeing what's about to happen. So at
2: least get to the AFC championship game and then uh, uh, everything yeah. else is gravy. I hope the rest of you had a great new year that the chiefs clearly have some resolutions uh, in their pocket. I uh, hope you all do as well. That you enjoyed the break like the Chiefs hopefully will this week. Uh, definitely join us again next week as we hopefully are celebrating another Chiefs victory and a, a playoff run uh, ready to begin. Again, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and stick with us. Uh, thank you so much for your questions and for listening as part of your day. Happy New Year to everybody. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premiere. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride Premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do.
2: For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months.